and from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 16, it's pound on page 161 of the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 9, 16, if I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, meaning Gentiles, I became as one outside the law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. So I went into my fishing tackle box last night. Fishermen in the winter love to fool around with the gear. And I found this trout fly that weighs a little bit more than a postage stamp and it is made with what they call elk hair and you tie it onto a leader that's about as wide as a human hair and if you do it right you fling it out there and it drifts down and it just kisses the water and floats by the hungry trout. This is a plastic worm. This is a great lure. This guy goes deep. This one is afraid of nothing. It goes down into the dark places among the rocks and the tree roots. This guy goes looking for the fish and busts into where they are hiding. This is a Swedish lure. It's called a swimming minnow. It's a flashy lure. It lands on the top and it splashes around and it dares the bass to rise up and take a bite. I've used this one so much it has teeth marks on it. (laughs) Different lures do different things, all with the same purpose, to bring a fish out of the water into the boat. Now, the Bible tells the story of God this way. Scripture says that God is one who goes fishing, who goes looking for people. The God of the Bible does not sit on the sidelines in the great heavenly places and wait for someone to say, well, I wonder what's the meaning of all this, and I wonder where the maker is. Scripture says God comes looking and God sends people 
We know some of their names. Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Deborah. God sends the Messiah, Jesus, looking for people, calling them, pulling them into his net and toward what he calls the kingdom of heaven. Turn, repent, trust, believe, for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. It is his intention to haul in the least, the last, and the lost, to pull into the boat people who have sunk to the bottom and given up. Jesus goes looking for people who are floating along just fine in the sunshine, but leading aimless lives. It is his intention to go even into the darkest places, to seek and save the lost, even to hell itself. God is a fisherman. God goes looking. That's how Mark tells the story. Jesus shows up. He's baptized in the water by John. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days, and there he gets his marching orders for a fishing trip. As soon as Jesus returns, he begins casting his net in Galilee, calling people by name and calling them to follow him. He interrupts their work, their schedule, their plans. He pulls them out of the shallows of their lives into the depths of God's love. Simon, Andrew, James, John, they did not get up that morning with a to-do list that said, eat breakfast, take vitamins, fix the leak in the boat, follow the Messiah. Jesus comes looking. Jesus is casting for them. He reels them into God's purposes and God's plans. So it is that God picks one Saul of Tarsus, who grew up in a very nice Jewish home in a very nice Jewish neighborhood in Tarsus over in Turkey. He went to university there, and then he goes to Jerusalem for some higher education, and he is a very strict Jewish fellow, which means that he is careful about what he wears, he is careful about what he eats, he is careful about who he talks to, even who he touches and who he does not touch. He is careful to say his prayers at a certain time all through the day. He is a Pharisee. And much of his life is spent defining himself as someone who is not like those people, not like those folk over there. And then God has other plans, and God casts the net of God's love over Saul. He becomes Paul the apostle. He begins first to preach in the synagogues, And then he crosses the line and he goes out into the Gentile community. He ends up for a while in Corinth, which is like going from small town Virginia to the Strip in Las Vegas and preaching there in the evenings. It's like going from a little town in Kansas to Times Square in New York City. And he says, I do everything I can to make a connection. I am weak with those who are weak. I eat with whoever invites me to eat. 
Sometimes I am with the Jewish community. Sometimes I am with the Gentile community. He says, I am a slave to all that I may save some. He is one of the fishing lures that God casts out to draw people. The primary way that the gospel spread in that first century was that the believers made the way of Jesus attractive to their neighbors. The way the first believers lived and prayed and acted toward each other and toward their neighbors drew others to the message of Jesus and the purposes and plans of God. It continues the same way today. You and I are here today because someone threw the net of God's love over us and pulled us toward the kingdom, pulled us toward God's open arms. Someone showed us that life is more than simply attending to our own gear and our own boat and our own little path. I wonder who it was for you Who was it who showed you something about God's love, who demonstrated something about God's forgiveness? Who was it who showed you something about a purpose larger than your own to-do list? Who made the way of Jesus attractive to you? Maybe a coach or a teacher or a neighbor down the street. Maybe a grandparent who read you Bible stories and prayed with you. Maybe a youth director who went on all kinds of strange trips and stayed up late at night to talk and to listen. A couple of years ago, two of our teenagers stood up here for the annual Seniors Day when the high school seniors do the preaching, and we asked them to reflect upon their journey of faith here in this Christian community And the thing I noticed that year and year after year is they never mention the clergy. (laughs) It's a humility lesson. They talk about you all. They talk about Sunday school teachers. They talk about confirmation mentors and youth advisors and choir parents and folk who were willing to go on a mission trip and sleep in a sleeping bag somewhere in the hills. They talk about you and the way that you make the way of Jesus attractive. This is how it always is. Jesus says, follow me. I have a job for you. I want you to become fishers of people Not because we are good, but because God is good. Not because you and I have some great plan to fix all those people we meet or to fix the world. No, but God has some plans. Over the next seven weeks, we are invited to enter into a study around a book called The Reason for God. And Tim Keller has been a pastor in New York City for the last 20 years, and he has had numerous occasions to encounter and talk with people who are skeptical about this Christian thing, 
who have their doubts about the presence of a higher power, who have all manner of questions, and he's developed a lot of practice at talking with people about the way of Jesus. We're going to use some videos that he has made. There's also a book to read if you want some extracurricular activity. But it is an opportunity to think again about why we are in this and how we might explain ourselves to someone else. In this fishing operation, we don't even have to be the ones to pull the net in. We cast the net. Jesus draws it to the boat. Jesus has a lot of different lures in the tackle box. Some of you may be like that tiny dry fly. Your witness may be gentle and quiet. Maybe you are that person who has the gift for listening and for looking at someone and really meaning it when you say, how are you? And how can I pray for you? Maybe your witness is as gentle as the trout fly. Maybe you're made of tougher stuff like the plastic worm. Perhaps you are willing to go into some dark places and into some other parts of town. Maybe you are willing to go and find broken people and be with them in the rocky parts of their journey. Maybe you're as flashy as that swimming minnow, that you are glad to be the one who brings up the topic of faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you like drawing some attention to what we are doing here. There are a lot of different ways to go about this. Techniques are different, but the goal is the same. You and I are here to show the love of God for all people, to offer the forgiveness of Jesus, to build up the work for justice for the poor and the forgotten, to embody mercy for people who have not seen mercy in person. You and I are here to make the way of Jesus attractive. We are the lures and the tackle box of Jesus. That sounds like a country western song, doesn't it? We're the fishing gear, we're the crew in his boat. Let's go fishing.
Let us all now stand and affirm what it is that we believe using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified.